Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We're talking about the parables of Jesus. And we're going to talk about this morning the parable of the lost sheep. You can be seated. What a great place to be. The church. What a great thing to be, the church. Brother Everett began our lesson, our series last Sunday talking about the parable of the sower. And we're talking about the parables of Jesus. He talked about the parable of the sower reminded us that God's word will grow. And it will grow in good ground. And it will grow in cultivated ground. And so... Even more important is that we be a faithful hearer and a faithful and diligent doer of the word in order for that to occur. This morning we're going to take our focus verse from Luke 15 and 7. The Bible says, and I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And so Jesus is talking about lost sheep. And this morning we're going to talk about the parable of the lost sheep. To say that God cares for the lost soul is an absolute understatement. It's an understatement. And so in the first of three points made by Jesus regarding lost things, we're presented with the parable of the lost sheep. And in the context of Scripture where we read, Jesus is looking over his audience, and he begins his lesson by asking a question. He said, what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Jesus knew the parable. He knew that the people that he stood in front of, he knew who they were. He knew they were from. He he knew who he addressed that day. He looked around and he could see the publicans and the and the sinners, the Pharisees, the scribes that stood before him. Perhaps some of them he had met before. Perhaps just in the moment he had a word of knowledge. We don't really know, but certainly we can ascertain that Jesus knew the hearts of the crowd that day. Jesus knew their heart and he knew the the relevance of his story and and how it would resonate with them. They understood where he was coming from. They, They understood their own agrarian lifestyle and they were fully aware of a relationship between a shepherd and his flock. It was a perfect object lesson. It was perfectly positioned to reinforce the importance of how deep the, the, the good shepherd's love is for each and every one of his sheep. 
And what a beautiful love it is, the parable of the lost sheep. It's an exquisite representation of the lengths that the Father will go for his children. Jesus, we know, is that good shepherd who is willing to leave the ninety and nine and and leave his treasured sheep with neighboring helpers to travel into uncharted darkness and to find that one lost sheep. Think about it. Just one. The links that he is willing to go. And when he finds that sheep, he gently lifts that sheep onto his shoulders to carry it safely home. That day, Jesus began to speak a parable It was in response to who was there. It was the audience that surrounded him, and it was a very diverse group. There were farmers, and there were teachers. There were the elite of what some perhaps would think are elite. There were perhaps even derelict there, the the haves and the the have-nots there together. There were some that were there for the right reasons, and there were there there were some that were not there for so much so. There were certainly followers there, yet there were those that were there for nefarious reasons. Their only their only goal was to trip him up, to try to to catch him in some twisted teaching or have him stumble in his words so that they could point out wrong in him. Jesus was often met with skepticism. He was often met with haughty remarks, yet he was also met with those who stood around him as he spoke with bated breath, hanging on to every word for one thing, and that was hope. I'll be so bold here today to say this, that in every church service, it's much the same as it was in Jesus' day. As He began to speak a parable as he began to open his mouth and speak to the crowd. There were were those there that were diverse. And I can tell you this morning that even in this house this morning, there's, there's a diversity. There's a diversity of people. There's a diversity of circumstances. In fact, you really never know who's gonna show up to church. You you really don't ever know who's going to be there, and you cannot predict every mindset. And so it is safe to say that there will be some in this house. There will be an array of cultures. There's going to be an array of cares. There's going to be a diversity of motives, and there will be a complexity of circumstances within any given service. But hear me this morning. If Jesus is in the room, if he is in the house, if he's at the helm and he is the one speaking when his word reigns supreme, no matter the diversity, no matter the circumstances, no matter the mindsets, no matter the motives or the mode of the people, no no matter the multiplicity of, of what may be going on in the hearts and the minds of people, one thing will be prevalent and one thing will be foremost, and that is there is is hope in the house. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't really even matter why you're here this morning. Can I tell somebody there is hope in this house? And if you believe it, you ought to clap your hands and thank him. There's hope here. 
Because the gospel is for all people. It doesn't matter where you came from or what you got up from last night or where you just left from this morning. The gospel is for whosoever will, and it matters not your past or your present. There's hope. The Word of God is unique. Can I get an amen? It is unique. The Word of God is unique. And, and the preached or the taught Word of God has the ability to reach into the hearts and speak into people's lives in a diversity of groups and in a diversity of ways. I'll explain. Do you know that different people can hear one sermon and take away a different thought when they walk away from it? It's the same person speaking. It's the same word. It's the same words that are heard by the multiplicity of people and the circumstances that they come from. But they can hear one word and they can come away with a different take on the same message. I'll be so bold to say this is that one man can hear a message and be completely set free while another can hear the same message and walk away dejected, hurt, possibly even offended. The Word of God is unique. You think about the man who asked Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he told him, sell everything you have. Give to the poor and follow me. One person would have heard that and thought, I'm going to do that today, but he left dejected. And so the Word of God is very unique. It, it, is, it is a very unique thing, the way it can touch the hearts of people in different ways. That crowd that followed Jesus that day, that, that, that group of gathering of people included acknowledged sinners as well as self-righteous people flaunting their good works. However, no matter their mode, no matter their motive, Jesus never turned them away. Think about that. The men that would gather together for only one reason, to trip him up. You would think that he would drive them away from the group, but he didn't. He didn't turn any away. Perhaps he thought that this would be the day that they would come to understand what a good shepherd is and how that he is no respecter of persons. Aren't you thankful for that? <laughs> I am. The story of the good shepherd demonstrates that God loves every person. He loves them. There is no consideration given to the baggage of one's past, very important, by God. Now, we can look at someone's past. and We can make our own assumptions. We can maybe tell the future if we're being so bold, and, 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 and we can maybe make some assumptions about them. But God does not consider one's past because his goal is transformation and change. Nothing, absolutely nothing, is a deterrent to God's love. His grace is sufficient, and it is indiscriminately. It draws every soul to him. It doesn't matter how deep in sin a person has fallen. Somebody say amen. 
God reaches to the lowest depths to pick that person up and bring them out. It doesn't matter how indifferent they are to the Word of God or even to the existence of God to begin with. If they will so much as turn themselves toward Him, He is still there to welcome Him. It doesn't really matter how hateful someone may be toward God. God still loves them and draws each person unto Himself. That is His purpose. Every waking day, every time we open our eyes, we ought to already readily know what the purpose of God is, and that is to seek and to save that which was lost. And He loves everyone with the same consistent passion. Uh, 2 Peter 3 and 9 says that He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not that He is seeking to allow us to stay where we are. His redemptive nature is to come after us and bring us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The message of the parable is clear, that Jesus loves and I'm going to say it emphatically, that Jesus loves each and every one of us, and God loves each and every person on this planet. The relationship between the shepherd, the relationship between him and his sheep is responsibility and safety. Let me say that again. The, the, the relationship between the good shepherd and his sheep is responsibility and safety. He created us. It's like Sister Amy said, that's her children. She's responsible for them. Now, for all intent and purposes, God created them, but she created them. They came from her. They are hers she has ownership of them. And so she is responsible for them. We are responsible for our own. And so God is responsible for us. And he is responsible for our safety and our well-being. It is his priority. Isaiah 43 and 1 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. That settles it. We belong to him. Jesus knows our every intention. Jesus knows our every desire. Whether it is upright or whether it is not. And hear me this morning. Nothing can separate you from his love. Whether you have come here with ulterior motives or whether you have come here to, to express your love toward Him, nothing can separate you from His love. I'm making a point here. Although we may have moments when we question God, we have even moments where our flesh may fight against Him. Maybe even turn ourselves away from Him, from him or, or maybe even stray away from Him. The fact of the matter is this. God is not going 
anywhere. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He'll be the same in the morning and the next day and into the future. He's not going anywhere. It's us that strays. It's us that resists. It's us that pushes away. But his love endures forever. It is everlasting. It is forever. His love will never fail. Grace may go away and our dispensation may change, but his love never fails. Somebody think about this this morning. It never fails. It never goes away. Now, this is in no wise a license. Let me just qualify this to be flippant or to be absent or to be aloof or resistant on purpose. But as soon, hear me, as we reach for him, as soon, I know what I'm talking about here this morning, as soon as we come to ourselves and realize our need for him and we turn ourselves toward him, he is there. He hadn't gone anywhere. He's he's right there where you walked away from him. Paul confidently, very confidently stated in Romans 8 and 38, for I am persuaded, this was Paul, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come I'm going to keep going nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord and so he is long suffering he is compassionate his love Love is everlasting and his love is inseparable from his nature. It's just who he is. He is love. And so he's looking and he's searching and he's seeking and he's reaching for us even in this moment. Can I ask somebody here this morning, have you ever been lost? You don't have to raise your hand. I know there's some here. I'll raise mine for you. Have you ever been lost? Have you ever been wandering around not knowing what to do and you just felt the hand of God kind of draw you back into the fold? Have you ever been adrift or maybe aloof in your mind and just begin to stray and you felt that gentle nudge of the master that got you back in line? Can I tell you this morning, that's his love. He could and rightfully so allow us to continue to wander without warning but he doesn't he reaches down he seeks and searches he comes after us even when we turn our back on him his love is constant and his love is in constant pursuit of safety and redemption you are his sheep we are his sheep. And hear me, hear me now. You will always be his sheep. If you're watching this this morning by way of our social media, I want to tell you this morning that you are his sheep and you will always be. You will always be his sheep. You see, when sheep wander away from the fold... They wander, they walk away, but they don't quit being sheep. They wander, they may fall in a pit somewhere, they may break a leg or they may break a shoulder, 
They may have an eye gouged out or something like that, but they don't stop being sheep. They don't lose their identity as sheep. It's something very, very important for us to understand that when sheep wander, they don't stop being sheep. They still belong to the fold. And they still belong to the fold from where they were lost. And they still belong to the shepherd who seeks to find them. And as the shepherd oversees his flock, he may notice one sheep that maybe wanders away from the rest of the group. Maybe, maybe that sheep is following some more seemingly more abundant food source. Or, or, or the sheep may have become spooked or or, or, or just start running from some imagined danger and without realizing it, without realizing the sheep has separated himself or herself from the rest of the flock. If the shepherd does not see the sheep wandering off, the sheep can get separated and travel quite a distance from the safety of the fold before his absence is discovered. Can I tell you this morning, I mean no disrespect, but it is the exact same thing with people. People are the same. The glitz, the glamour, the shiny temptations of the world, the cares of life, the reality of the pressures from an enemy that seeks to cause people to wander, to, to cause a separation or a division in the flock, causes them to kind of wander away from the rest of the flock job opportunities that create more income but less and less time in the word and in prayer entertainment that catches the eye and draws them away from the importance of keeping a close connection with the body as it moves towards the things of God certainly trials or tribulations that come and drive a wedge in between them and the safety of the congregation of the saints and before you know it before they realize it and before anyone can, can do anything about it, the relationship is severed by distance and they are no longer in sight. We grieve. We grieve to our soul core. We grieve for those who have walked away. We grieve and our hearts breaks for our family members or our friends or our brothers and sisters in Christ who have taken the bait and simply wandered unknowingly walking into darkness and desolation. But can I tell you this morning, even though they're not here where we can see them, they are still sheep and they are still a part of the fold and our prayer for them is consistent. Our supplication for their return is constant and it will never cease until we see them again. Hear me this morning, no matter where they are or what or who they have become, no matter the situations that they have fallen into, they are still sheep and they are still our family and we are still going to reach for them as sad as it is for us to see them walk away. Can you imagine how grieved God is to watch them walk away? I said it before and I'll say it again. They are His children. They are the children of His fold and they still belong to Him. They were purchased with the same blood that you were purchased with. 
they were they were bought with the same price that was paid for us and because of that we can rest assured that no matter the reason that people stray away from God that's not the point he will always go to great lengths to bring them back into the safety of the fold And that should be our mentality. I'm going to say some pretty shocking things here for a minute, but just just stay with me. That should also be our mentality. It goes without saying, but it should be said. That should be our purpose. And here's why. We live in a throwaway world. It seems unbelievable. It seems inconceivable to think that people can just be replaced. But think about it for a minute. Now you're going to think this is so far out there, you can't correlate the two things together. But I'm telling you, it's a deal. You think of the, the way that we deal with everyday items. You think of the way that we deal with just everyday things, and how it has some, somewhat conditioned our mind to think this way. You think of all the single-use items that you use every day of your life. You just use them, and they go into a landfill somewhere. One time, one use, thrown away and replaced. And so if we're not careful, we can view people that way. Oh, yes, we can. I know that that concept seems so far out there and so far-fetched, but it's true. It's a mindset that has, that has made itself known, at least in one area of, of America. I can only speak for America. I've never lived anywhere else. But it's, it's dotted the landscapes of workplaces all over. Our country. At one time in our nation's history, the word career meant lifelong. Now the word career just sort of kind of pertains to what you might be doing at the moment. And that that might change next month or even next year. Completely separate from what you were doing before. Historically, businesses would make concerted efforts to retain employees. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Single use, get all the good, replace. Far-fetched? Well, ask yourself this question. Have you ever felt replaceable at your workplace? Have you ever felt replaceable at your school? This is going to... Have you ever felt replaceable at home? Now, I'm not promoting laziness. I'm not saying that we can just go somewhere and act however we want to act and they're supposed to just keep us. That's not what I'm saying. But this is an issue. It's it's an apparent issue. I'm not trying to wax all political. and This is just an illustration. It's getting quiet. But this can creep into our, our mindset, our thinking. Jesus seeks lost sheep. 
He does not seek to replace lost sheep. Let that sink in a minute. He's not seeking new sheep because the lost ones walked away to replace them. He's seeking the lost sheep because he cares for them. And he's seeking the new sheep because he cares for them. It is both and, not either or. Why? Here's why. A new sheep does not have the history with the shepherd like that, that like the one that walked away. The, the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd enhances the value of that one lost sheep. The, the, that sheep is part of a community. And when they're gone, there is a conspicuous absence. The sheep's time with the shepherd that they've already spent is invaluable. To the shepherd, that one sheep is valued just as much as all the other sheep. And so that one lost sheep is irreplaceable to the shepherd. And it is absolutely worth his time and his effort to put into the search to find them. And so just because they have walked away does not mean that they are forever lost because they are worth every effort and every amount of time that we could ever put in to reaching for them and seeking after their safety. Now ask yourself this question. Aren't you thankful that God does not just replace us with another one when we make some unwise decision or perhaps wander away from the truth of His Word or from the flock no his love for us as individuals compels him to work diligently pulling us back into the fold and so can I tell you somebody this morning can I tell you something that's very important you are needed you are wanted you are essential and you are loved if you are in this house if you are watching this online you are needed you are essential and you are loved. And God will never give up on you. He will never give up on you. So let's take it one step further. He knew where you were and he knew where you would be even before he started all of this shepherd and sheep relationship business. And he still went through with it anyway. He knew you were going to stumble. He knew you were going to fall. He saw you when you walked away. He saw you before you ever wandered. He knew what was in your heart before you even set on that course. He saw you in your worst predicament and he still went to the cross. He saw all of that and he still went to the cross he saw you at your worst he saw you in the bottom he saw you in the pit and he still went to the cross he sees us from the very beginning. He knows us even before birth, before we had any knowledge of who He was, before we even knew that we needed a Savior. He was already making plans for a great relationship with us. He told Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before that came as forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And so before we ever came to the knowledge of the truth, and while we were even still lost, God loved us us and pursued us relentlessly 
fearlessly until he found us and he brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Romans 5 and 8 said, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so can I tell you this morning, that's the greatest love story on earth. It's already been written. God prepared a body for himself and came to this earth. That body was Jesus Christ. God manifested in the flesh. And when Jesus finished his work here on this earth he allowed himself to be crucified for our sins before we ever knew we needed him it's hard for us to imagine it's really hard for me to imagine the depth of God's love in Paul's letter to the Ephesians he, he, he implored the reader to understand the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of God's love so that we can understand His desire to do amazing things beyond even our own comprehension. And so I don't know the depths of God's love. I don't understand it all, but I'm thankful that I've felt it. I can't attest for everybody in the room. I can attest for me. I can talk about me for a minute. I know his love was great for me because I know exactly what pit I was in when he pulled me out of safety. He loved me when I was lost, and he loved me when I was undone. He loved me when my mind was not right, and he pulled me out of darkness and into his light. And so the shepherd rejoices when his lost sheep are found. They are found, and he rejoices. Luke 15 and 4, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he find it. And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders and rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. That one lost sheep, that one wandering vessel, that one strayed sheep was so valuable by the shepherd that he rejoiced when that one was found. He knew that the 99 were safe, so he had no reason to celebrate them as he did the one that was found. Because here's the stark reality. Not all are found. And not all return safely. You see, the lost sheep could have been lost forever. Something could have happened to him that took his life. So the celebration was in order because fortunately the lost sheep was returned to the fold safe and sound. And so the shepherd celebrates. But the scripture says he's not to celebrate alone. The principle here is that one feels exuberant joy to be almost too much for himself to bear alone and is positively relieved by having others to share it with. However, while the heavenly host celebrated over the successful recovery of a lost sinner, the Pharisees had complained 
about Jesus' reaching out to persons in need, rescuing. Luke 15 and 2, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Thus we have the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. It's all recovery tactics. And it's all in the face of a self-righteous mentality. You see, they had an elitist mentality. An exclusive mindset rather than an inclusive and redemptive intent. While it is a joy to see someone come to Christ and, and find that everlasting life, it is simply human nature to observe situations with skepticism. And it's going to get quiet, and it's probably going to end quiet, but that's all right. You see, God gave us intelligence. We are intelligent people. And so it is natural for us. It's in, within us the ability to analyze situations, and you're looking at one, an over-analyzer. It's in us. I heard one amen, and she is absolutely correct. I will own it. But human reasoning and intelligent analysis can sometimes work against the mind of God and His purpose. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And He didn't stop there. He said they're as far as you can see above the heavens compared to yours. And so with this in mind, we have to be careful not to move from skepticism to judgment. We need discernment in this hour, absolutely. And we need to be able to rightly judge situations. But we must emphatically guard against looking through a pharisaical lens. When we see things through his lens, and not through a pharisaical lens, we can make more eternal focused assessments. We know that it is his first, and I'll say it first, 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 first. If I could say it a thousand times, I would. It is his first priority to save every soul he can. There is no call factor here. There is no exclusivityness here. We know that his one single purpose is that not one soul should perish. Not the lawyer in the nicest suit and not the man sitting on the street corner. They are the same in his eyes and no matter how many times people come to the altar and no matter how many times they come and seek forgiveness how many times that they walk away and go back into their own lives God will meet them there and he will forgive them because he is faithful and he is just to forgive sins when they are repented of even if it's for a moment even if it's for a day even 
And if it's for a week or a year, they may stumble and they may fall multiple times. It may take them days to repent or it may take them years to repent. But our rejoicing should always be the same each and every time they do. And so I'll ask another question. Aren't you glad that nobody gave up on you when all the stumbling and the skint knees and the dirt on your chest from where you fell? Nobody looked at you and said, well, you just need to lay there. It's your bed. You need to make it and lay in it. No, they picked you up. They put their arms in your arms and they lifted you up. If you're not thankful for it, I am. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that when I walk through those doors back there, all lost and undone, that the Lord was here. But hear me, I'm equally thankful that you were here. I'm thankful that you were here and that you had a smile on your face and there was no judgmental glances coming my way. I'm glad that there were no hush whispers. I'm glad that there were hugs and embraces that told me you can do this. You can walk with Him. I'm thankful for those that loved me and nurtured me and presented to me the nurturing nature of the body of Christ. And so here we are. We're right at the moment where we need to take this or we can leave it. We can hear this message and we can receive it or we can walk away offended. But I know right now that there are people in this building who are going to receive it, who are going to stand to their feet right now and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice over that one lost sheep. And so I tell you this morning, let's keep reaching. Let's keep reaching. Let's keep loving. Let's keep on loving. Let's be filled with joy when one sinner walks through the building and repents of their sins no matter how many times it takes. It just may be that today you're rejoicing. Is that one thing that would bring somebody out that would make up their mind, I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk with him. We don't know who's going to walk through those doors at 11 o'clock. We don't know what's going to happen in these altars today. But can I tell you, if it doesn't happen today, it's going to happen one day because they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Lost sheep are coming home. New sheep are coming into the fold. And we better be ready. We better be ready to reach them. We better be ready to love them and to do the will of God. Somebody lift your hands right now and rejoice. Rejoice before it's time to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice over those sinners, over those men and women who have walked away. God, we, we lift our hands and our hearts to you right now to allow you, God, to transform our thinking. Make us a, a, a body of people who will reach, who will restore, who will come beside and do the will of God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, one more time. Would you clap your hands to heaven? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.